Listener discretion is advised. This audio may not be suitable for all audiences. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Paranormal Artist. If you're new here, my name is Alex, and I like to talk about spooky stuff. Sometimes I have a friend over, and we talk about spooky stuff, and things get kind of, uh, well, you know. However, today I am going to be talking about a tragedy that happened several decades ago here in Texas, specifically near McAllen, Texas. I have searched all over the place to try to find any other show who had done it so that I can add on to what I already know about it. You know, for additional research, I have watched countless interviews with survivors of this tragedy. I have read several news articles about this tragedy. And while it's probably one of the saddest things to have ever occurred, unfortunately, it happened. And there are people who were lost. So I do have a discretion warning, you know, on every single episode because, (laughs) you know, some of the shit that gets talked about is definitely not uh, appropriate for all ages. However, in this case, today, this episode, this one is going to have a trigger warning because it does involve death of children, several children. It involves graphic descriptions, even. So, if you can't handle that, if you're not comfortable with this type of conversation or anything like that, I highly recommend that you just skip this episode altogether. But if you are curious about something that you've probably never heard of, and you're willing to put aside your discomfort, then let's jump into it. So today... I'm going to be talking about the bus crash of Alton, Texas. Today happens to be the 34th anniversary of this tragedy. It happened September 21st, 1989. It was just terrible. We, you know, so the school involved was Mission CISD. And to really put things into perspective, the day started off perfectly normal on both sides during this time. The morning started off as a normal everyday morning. You know, people did their things, people did their routines. Things were inspected. However, unfortunately, just a few hours after all of this, tragedy would ensue. So my notes might be a little bit scattered. Sorry. This just been how my brain is lately. And you know, speaking of things like this, I need to apologize for not posting an episode last week. I had an episode. Actually, I have an episode recorded. However, the audio is complete garbage and I do not want to post it. 
So I have to re-record the entire episode. <laughs> it was going to be a good one, too. I, I know everybody would have enjoyed it. So not only that, I have gotten some updates regarding my health and why I've been so tired and spaced out a lot more. And thankfully, that is getting taken care of. <laughs> Nothing serious to really, like, freak anybody out. But, I mean, when I say tired, I could sleep for several hours and still be ready to sleep for several hours more. I have spent the past couple of weekends literally sleeping until 5 p.m. because my body is so fucking tired. So, jumping ahead, I'm going to get back on topic and we're going to be talking about the bus crash of Alton, Texas. As I said, it's been 34 years to the day since this tragedy. And I said that the morning started off normal. Bus driver went and did his rounds, picked up children, Dr. Pepper, truck, went and did his deliveries. However, the incident, everything happened so quickly. Apparently, the truck driver was coming up on a stop sign that was not seen. Also, the truck driver seemed to have claimed that the stop sign was hidden behind branches and some other stuff. I, I mean, I'm not really familiar with the whole trucking industry. I don't know how everything works. But he had an assistant or an assistant with him, like a second person, whatever the fuck, an assistant driver. And he actually pointed out the stop sign well before the truck driver himself actually started to stop. I have a quote because I always have quotes. Let me pull it up because I'm unorganized. So on June 15th, when, okay, listen, I found the accident report. So I've got quotes from there that I felt were the most relevant of pretty much everything I can offer you guys today. So here's a quote. The helper reported that the truck was traveling north on Bryan Road, a two-lane, two-way asphalt road at approximately 45 miles an hour about 300 feet south of the intersection with FM-676, a two-lane, two-way east-west asphalt road, he realized that the truck driver was not slowing down for the stop sign at the intersection. The helper said that he warned the truck driver of the stop sign. The truck driver then applied the vehicle's brakes using the foot brake valve. Then he applied the semi-trailer's handbrake valve and finally downshifted the tractor's manual transmission from fifth to fourth gear. Honestly, I don't know what any of that means because I'm not a truck driver, so I'm sorry. I uh, did not dive deeper to find any of that out <laughs> because I'm not really trying to focus a whole lot on like the small details. And it, it's just, it's too much of a time-consuming thing for me to go in there and like learn the ins and outs of a semi- <laughs> and I'm I'm lazy at that. I spent so many days, literally so many fucking days trying to get everything together for this story. And I'm not laughing about the the fact of the story. I'm laughing at how insane I was actually making myself go while doing the research with the story because I mean, I had like 30 tabs pulled up on my web browsers. I had my phone <laughs> that I was using to 
figure everything out. It, it, it was an extensive search. And thankfully, the accident report is online for anybody to see. So the truck driver was Ruben Perez, who was 26 at the time. He had a few traffic violations already at the time of the accident. So his truck driving history, he was, it's it's another quote. I know I have quotes everywhere. It's fine, whatever. The truck driver's first driving violation conviction was for speeding in Hidalgo County on April 16, 1984. The next entry in his driving record involved property damage accident in Far, Texas on February 5, 1987. According to the police report, he was operating a Valley Bottling Company truck when he, quote, inside a quote, failed to control speed, end quote, inside a quote, on wet divided highway and struck the side of another vehicle. He did not receive a citation for this accident. His next offense was in McAllen when he was cited for speeding in his personal automobile on July 10th, 1987, and for not having liability insurance. He was also charged with violation for not appearing in court concerning his lack of liability insurance. The truck driver was also issued a citation for not having liability insurance on January 31st, 1988, when he was stopped at a driver's license checkpoint, end quote. So this guy has already worked and had an accident for this same bottling company that he was employed at during the time of this current accident that we're talking about. He has had quite a troubling, well, accident history to which I'm like, why would you re-employ him knowing that he has already caused one accident in your company. But that is for the hiring manager to know and probably me to never fucking find out. It's actually infuriating. <laughs> I'm like, why? How, uh, as a result of his accident, he did end up getting demoted to a loader instead of driver. But um, as per this story, he was then re-promoted to truck driver after several training sessions. Which, by several, I mean like 10. <laughs> uh, that's very not good. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I still can't believe that he was actually re-fucking-hired after everybody having previously... Just so many traffic violations. Another thing is that for Valley Bottling Company, um, it's a thing of Coca-Cola. He happened to be driving a Dr. Pepper truck, whatever. I mean, not whatever, but you know. So they also don't require like physicals for their drivers. So their drivers can have like bad, horrid health and they wouldn't know it because they don't require physicals. Now, this was back in the 80s. So I don't know if that's changed since then, which I would hope it has because it's been like 40 fucking years already. But once again, I'm not a lawmaker and I don't know. (laughs) So as mentioned and told, he had several violations. The bus driver was 46-year-old Gilbert Pena, and I had a hard time actually finding his name. It was, like, kind of hard for me to track down, but I managed to find it, and I'm kind of happy. The bus driver had no major traffic violations at the time of the accident. He had a couple of speeding tickets, but he was not involved in the accidents. Now, for the Mission ISD, Mission CISD, they did require 
and actually the TEA, uh, Texas Education Association, I think that's what it's called, they did require their bus drivers to get annual physicals before the school started so that they can get their certification to drive the bus. So he did have like some changes in his vision from when he did start employment to the time of the accident, but nothing major. And like I said, no accidents, just speeding tickets. As I said, that was not the same case with the truck. According to multiple articles, it was not Ruben's first accident, which I did mention. He had already been working for Valley Coca-Cola Distributions in 1987, literally two years before. I find it kind of, like, terrible that they even fucking employed him once again, or even gave him the opportunity to have a promotion to go back to truck driver. But as I mentioned, things are different. I don't know if they're different now, but things were certainly different back then, and maybe people didn't have, like, ethics or something, or, like, logical thinking. I'm not sure what people were thinking when they allowed this man to, you know, go back to truck driver. So at the time of the accident, oh, it is, it is quite horrible. There was a girl, her name was Virginia Jones. She is a survivor of the crash. She remembers seeing the truck and telling her sibling that it looked like, or telling her sibling or a friend that it looked like the truck wasn't going to stop. Next thing she knew, the bus got fucking hit. According to a police report, I found the truck was traveling at about 45 miles. Another witness reported not seeing the truck stop. Now, this witness, I think I read, or I believe I read, was actually behind this truck driver. So he pretty much saw everything fucking happen, like, right there and then. (laughs) And we have to also remember, this was the time before cell phones, before there was, like, mobile phone. I mean, if you had money, I guess you had, like, those weird car phones or, like, that giant, like, brain cancer-looking-ass phone. But as far as I know, not many people had anything like that in Alton, Texas, because it was a poor community at the time. So the child reported that she saw the truck. Another witness saw the truck. Several, here's, here's another quote. This is, I'm sorry, I have several quotes from this. Quote, several students on board the bus reported that they noticed the truck approaching from the left and shouted a warning to the bus driver. The bus driver reported that when he saw the truck, he applied his brakes and attempted to steer right, end quote. The left front of the bus and the front of the truck collided, ended up hitting the back, of the back left side of the bus. The truck continued to travel for another few feet and came to a stop. The bus, however, did not have that same fate. The bus continued to travel after impact, hit a stop sign, rolled over a pile or mound of earth, where then it took a 24-foot drop into a caliche pit. Several of the students fell onto each other during the accident before the bus came to its stopping point at the bottom of this pit. The surviving students said that the bus fell to the left side wheels and came up for a bit and then sank to the bottom of the pit. You might be wondering, how big is this pit? Let me tell you, it was goddamn huge. 
385 feet wide, 610 feet long, and 30 feet deep at its deepest point. The left side of the bus was under 10 feet of water. The left side is the side that um, was plunged deepest, furthest into the water. The right side was roughly, just roughly, 18 inches from the surface. There were a total of 87 students on the bus. 60 survived, 46 had minor injuries, 3 had serious injuries, 19 passed at scene, and 2 more passed a couple of days later. The cause of deaths for all of them was asphyxia by drowning, and the two that survived just a couple days later, or, you know, the two other students that ended up going in the hospital, they also died of the same cause. It is awful. There were rescuers. Somebody did call 911. He thought it was just, like, the 911 operator, the police officer, whoever it was, thought it was just a simple you know, one car accident because he did not see the bus. So he didn't really, you know, he didn't really think that he needed that much. However, when he got to the scene and he saw that there was a bus underwater, there was already a few kids who had managed to get out thanks to the open windows or some of the open windows. It was kind of cold that day. So the windows were not all open on a bus. If you, okay, if you're not in America, if you're not in America and you're from another country we it's it's kind of like a stereotypical bus we have that big yellow bus that the kids get on with those weird windows that you have to like use all your might to shove up or down <laughs> i hated those things i've only been on like one of those buses like probably five fucking times in my life basically that's how a lot of students go to and from school long story short so Thanks to some of the windows being open, a couple of the kids were able to escape before any rescue teams got there. There was a lot of rescue people there. Once the police officer was able to report this as a mass casualty incident, um, not saying that there are people who died, he did not know that at the time, but just meaning that multiple people were injured. There, God, God, I, I really cannot imagine the scene once the rescuers were there, they were able to reach in and they were pulling children out by their hair, just trying to get them out of the fucking water and hopefully, you know, resuscitate them if they needed it. Lots of kids did need resuscitation. Lots of them. And I'm making, I'm, I haven't put an age out there. These kids were from at least 12 to 18 years old. So they're not little kids. The little kids, I think, were already dropped off at their destinations. It was the middle school through high school aged kids. And um, God, just seeing the stories and watching the videos on YouTube and everything, there were just like body bags and just these poor fucking kids. And, and you know, they, they really, it truly is like Final Destination in this world sometimes and if you don't know what that is it's a cheesy movie series that has traumatized the fuck out of us millennials and possibly gen z i'm not really sure <laughs> but there were rescuers tons of people probably you know people were swimming to the bus and i mean this bus is pretty much like far offshore they pulled kids out by their hair dead or alive basically 
those on the surface at the shore of the Kalicha pit were doing CPR to try to resuscitate the kids. And several of them obviously did not survive. Then there was the notifying of the parents who had to go and identify the bodies of their children. And what's really fucking sad for me, what really hits, because as you know, I'm very close with my two younger brothers. It's the siblings that were on the bus. The siblings that were on the bus. Some left without their sibling. And in some cases, both siblings died as a result of this accident. And I know I said that cause of death was asphyxia by drowning, but I I just hope that at the accident when the kids were all like falling onto each other, that those who did perish were able to do so peacefully. Because drowning sounds just off like it just god what a what a fucked way to go but i i can only hope that their souls are at rest that they were able to find the light and to get to the light it's very sad the bus driver and the truck driver both had minor injuries of course the truck driver had minor injuries. It, it always seems like it goes down like that. Like, um, for some reason, like, if there's a drunk driving incident and they kill somebody, for example, they always seem to not have any fucking, like, life-threatening injury, at least that I've noticed. And it's probably not the case for all of them, but you know what I mean? So they didn't have any severe injuries. The truck driver was charged with exonerated of criminally negligent homicide after the crash. He had 21 counts of that. However, he was acquitted in 1993 of all charges. The families of the students sued the Coca-Cola bottling company and the manufacturers of the buses and anything that they could get. The Coca-Cola plant ended up settling a total of $133 million at that time. Uh, one family, I think, got like four point something million, and some got as little as like one million, or even less than that for the ones who have kids who did survive. The community went from being very poor and not having anything to suddenly very wealthy, which in turn had its own fucking tragedies because now the kids are like hey this is technically my money and i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want so some did die as a result of this recklessness and they're kids so they're not thinking yet they're just like flashing that they have money everywhere some died of overdoses some died in car accidents it's really tragic but the lawsuits kept coming from everywhere they kept suing but that's not really the point of this story so more than 30 years after the accident those who survived are still possibly dealing with the ptsd of the crash and the grieving of their classmates and all that and, and in the interviews every single one of the kids or the adults i should say now 
who were involved in that accident still have so many tears left to cry on this. And it was incredibly, incredibly sad. I did see another video where they were doing a mass um, church ceremony. I, I don't really know what it's called. It's where they take the bodies caskets to the church and the priest blesses them or the father blesses them so they had that going on jesus it's it's really a fucked up situation on so many levels and i don't know whether or not the truck driver actually did do this on purpose or not on purpose but you know irresponsibly driving a truck but with his given history in my opinion, I believe that he should have never fucking been allowed behind the truck again. <laughs> it's really fucked up that they even let him do that. But after all the training, you know, and the poor bus driver, he was very close with these kids. He had nicknames with for them. And I mean, the town wasn't big. It's not, I think like it had like 90,000 to maybe 200,000 population. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But it wasn't a big town and, you know, the bus driver was close with the kids that he picked up every single day for school. So, you know, and and there was another video I, I watched. I mean, I like I like watched a ton of videos on this topic where I think he was either a principal or a coach, something in the school where they he's got like some kind of importance. So at a football game. They did do like a moment of silence slash memorial where they would announce the names and the family would release one balloon. So they did that. And according to him, the balloons all stayed in the same place until all 21 names were called out. And then the balloons all traveled together in a mass. And I thought, if that's true, which I have seen some crazy shit, that's incredible. Um, I actually have like a similar story to that. <laughs> I mean, it, it just ties into me believing that, yes, it is possible that that was their way of letting their parents know that they're all together and they're okay, stuff like that. So when my grandfather died way, way back in 2011, he loved cranes, favorite bird. And it was the crazy, like, I remember driving up to his house or to my grandparents' house. And there was an actual, like, flock of cranes just going in a circle around his house. It was the craziest thing. I have not seen anything like that since then. So I do believe that the little situation with the balloons that this man was talking about is 100% true. And I do think that that was the kid's way, just like I felt like it was my grandfather's way, of saying, yes, I'm good, I'm here, but I'm going to be taking my leave. And I have not seen anything like that since the day that happened, and that happened to be the day that he did die. So I can't say whether or not the balloons are within the same thing, but like, you know, I mean, <laughs> this world is strange and mysterious, and things happen all the time. So... Who is to say? <laughs> but I, I really find that beautiful that the balloons all left within like a mass of each other. It's very beautiful. 
So a memorial was constructed at the site of this tragedy. I think there's also a park there. The memorial is located at the intersection of Bryan Road and Mile 5 Line, where there are 21 crosses that line a fence and a massive statue of Jesus in front of it. And I feel the need to mention the names so that they get remembered. So these are the 21 victims of the Alton bus crash. So we have Maria Alfaro, Roberto Balzadua Jr., Margarita Buenteo, Carmen Canales, Elda Cruz, Raul Flores, Elizabeth Flores, Abdon Garcia, Armando Gonzalez, Ruby Lopez, Marta Lozano, Jose Ortega, Veronica Perez, Yesenia Perez, Roman Quintero, Apolonia Regalado, Maria Regalado, Ana Rodriguez, David Sainz, Michael Sainz, Alberto Vasquez. So those are the names of the children who lost their lives that day. And I think that it's appropriate for me to take like a moment of silence for them because they deserve it. So, as you know, (laughs) this show is about the paranormal, or it tries to be. Sometimes I have a hard time with the paranormal part. So, you know, on this show, it's called Paranormal Artist for a reason, because I like to talk about the paranormal. And just like most locations, this one also allegedly is haunted. Tragedy. I wish I couldn't say that it was haunted, but it is tragically haunted. Supposedly tragically haunted. So, people have claimed to hear the screams of the crash victims. Some have seen figures sitting near the ledge of the pit, which the park is in the pit. Now that I remember, the park is in the pit. Some have seen figures sitting near the ledge of the pit, Apparitions and shadows have also been reported there. One person named Lalo, according to their, like, whatever the fuck website I was on, supposedly saw a woman sitting on the shoulder of the road while driving around at 4 a.m. near slash where the accident took place. Lots of people have reported the feeling of sorrow or gloom. Many people who have visited the site have reported also an uneasy feeling. Locals have claimed to hear voices calling them near the crash site or the sounds of children. And like I said, some children were about like 12 years old, so their voices aren't changed just yet. So they could possibly sound like little kids, but I don't know if it's in a park and there's a playground. It's kind of iffy. So I did see another video where they did actually do a paranormal investigation slash very, very, very brief history, kind of like this one. There was nothing remarkable on the video that I found. I didn't see anything that was like, oh, wow, that's definitely evidence. Uh, The video was crude at best. The narrator 
claimed to have gotten several pieces of evidence, like several as in like orbs and possibly an EVP or two. I was watching the video. I, you know, I, I did not see anything related to what they were talking about, but the video was extremely grainy, posted about eight years ago. Not the best quality. The person recording the narrator also had an SLS camera, which nothing was caught. They used a spirit box, which the spirit box is the one where you can just like have the white noise and the voices will intelligently answer you if it is in fact if it is in fact an intelligent entity. So nothing was caught on there either to my judgment. They did catch like voices ish, but they sounded just like the narrator. So <laughs> it was fucking fake to me. There was no voice that had like an actual uh, message that could be deciphered. Apparently there was a laugh that was also in the video, which definitely sounded like the end sentence of the narrator. So that video did not help me determine whether or not this place is actually haunted. I saw a couple of TikTok videos. Um, most of them were mostly dedicating to the anniversary of the crash and possibly relatives or people who knew the victims. But I did see one that was also shared by a friend. He actually is the one who told me to do this one. I had never heard of it, ever. But I'll call him the researcher. He told me about this and I was like, oh, okay. And then when I found out the date, by the time I was going to get to it, it was so close to the anniversary. I was like, why not just wait until the anniversary and let's put it out then. So this video that he shared with me, supposedly, um, God, I lost my train of thought. So the man was asking and communicating in Spanish with an alleged spirit that was out there. They were using a walkie-talkie method, which I've seen on Ghost Adventures a couple of times. I do believe it's another way to get an EVP. Uh, rather than using a voice recorder, in this case, you would use a walkie-talkie, which works in the same form or way, basically. The only difference is that with the walkie-talkie, there can be frequency interruption, because you can tune a walkie-talkie to like certain channels, which is an electromagnetic field which in turn is like some form of energy that the spirits can use to communicate so they are able to project their voices onto the walkie-talkie and you can hear it live so if you're recording and you have a walkie-talkie in a paranormal location then you'd be able to hear <laughs> the voice real time versus having to do a playback like a burst session with a voice recorder so I've seen it done on Ghost Adventures, both things. So what a burst session is, is basically you ask the spirit a question, ask the spirit another question, and then you play it back, like right there and then. And a lot of times you will catch something, anything, that was not heard at the time of the recording, just only on the tape. So that is how a burst session works. And I learned that term from Ghost Adventures. Yes, Ghost Adventures. And no, they did not investigate this place. I don't think they even know about this place. And also, I don't think that this place is uh, 
an actual haunted location, but that's just my opinion. Haven't been there, wouldn't know. So anyway, back to this TikTok video. The man is asking questions, trying to communicate with the spirit. So while he's asking questions, the walkie-talkie is going off on its own, and you can hear the voice of the spirit intelligently communicating with him, which blew my fucking mind because my first time watching the video, I didn't see anything. But then, you know, I was kind of tired and not really focused 100%. So I watched the video later on in the night where I was able to focus a little bit more. And there it is, intelligently answering this question that this person is asking. So then it cuts to the end of the video. And yes, they have flashlights. They are shining a flashlight in a direction where they supposedly see a full-blown entity. The video was extremely grainy, again. So I did not see an entity. There was something in the video that their flashlight was shining on, but it was so grainy. And I I don't want to say it was anything because it, for all I know, it could have just been matrixing, which is where you think you see something, but really there's nothing there. Or like maybe the photo is so grainy that it looks like something there. That's pretty much what matrixing is. So I, I can't determine whether or not that was an actual entity they caught on video but that's really all i have haunted wise for you like video wise so i did actually i i went through so many websites that mentioned the name alton bush crash or this and that alton bus crash dr pep whatever <sighs> so everything just told me the same thing disembodied voices screams etc etc but there was one website that told me that there was a family that was actually visiting the park that is near the location of the memorial where a small child, which I think was either the son, daughter, niece or nephew, whatever, it was somehow related to the people, started screaming in absolute terror and pointing into the direction where they were screaming, like, just like, hey, you got to help these kids. They, like yelling yelling at a wall pretty much saying quote go help those kids they're trying to get out of the water and some are even climbing the stone wall to get out end quote the grown-ups didn't see anything the adults they didn't see anything so they left because they figured that the kid was just you know tired wanted to go home just you know normal kid stuff but the further they got away they noticed that the child calmed down and that she completely forgot about it. Well, I say she, but they, the child, completely forgot about the entire incident. And I want to remind people that <laughs> kids are way, 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 way more sensitive to the supernatural and the paranormal than we adults are. There are so many fucking videos online of kids just like, seeing things that we don't see and playing with something that we don't play like that we cannot see like that imaginary friend no the fuck it's not i promise you it's not an imaginary friend it's a spirit there's also <laughs> children talking to these spirits like pointing at them like why don't you see them mommy why don't you see them daddy but they're not there for us to see not even on the fucking video which blows me away because our fucking videos are so like high definition now but, you know, kids see shit that we 
don't see. And if I hear a kid saying, hey, there's somebody behind you, you sure as fuck believe it. I'm going to run. I'm going to turn around, run, get pissed off and turn right back around to see if there's actually something behind me. But that's it. There is really absolutely nothing out there to help me determine whether or not this memorial location where the crash happened, I can't determine whether or not it is haunted. Not enough evidence. Not enough videos. Everything is just about the um, news articles and the anniversary of this accident. So, if you've been out there and you've had any kind of experience, please let me know. Tell me on Instagram. Send me an email. Not Facebook, because I don't have Facebook. Something. Just tell me that you've experienced something or you didn't. Or, you know, a lot of the people just, like, sum up all the activity to just teenagers fucking around. Which, it's possible. Teenagers do fuck around a lot. But, you know... Um, so if you've been out there and you have experienced something or if you have like evidence of something, let me know. I have to fucking know because I can't just sit here and think, hmm, is it or isn't it? And I, I've even gone on Amazon and I was like, hmm, let me buy some basic equipment for paranormal stuff, uh, to investigate because I have a few little plans to do for Patreon, but we'll see what happens. It's all... It's all in the works right now. I'm trying to rework Patreon and I'm trying to redo certain things, you know. And um, I don't have any art facts about this because there is no art to be had. Uh, I guess the statue of Jesus was done very beautifully, but I have zero fun facts for you guys. So as I said, it has been 34 years since this crash happened and... The victims and the bus driver, actually, if he's still around. And the Dr. Pepper truck driver, if he is also still around. It shaped their lives, changed their lives. And the lawsuit money helped some of these kids afford to go to university and do better for themselves in honor of their lost friends or siblings. So... While there is much darkness to this story, there's still somewhat light that they were able to get money and to change their lives for the better, despite the fact that they lost people. They lost their loved ones. And that's all I have for you guys today. So, like I said, if you have anything you want me to talk about, any suggestions, you can message me on Instagram. My personal one is Alex again with two underscores. Or you can message me on the podcast Instagram, which is paranormalartist.podcast. If you don't have any of that, uh, you can always send me an email, paranormalartistpodcast at gmail.com. I am looking forward to finding some new spooky stories to talk about. Until next time, guys. So as you know, it is Suicide Prevention Month. It's coming to an end. And... I, well, I mean, I'm going to continue what I'm doing outside of Prevention Month. This month was for me to, like, educate others about warning signs and red flags and things to look out for in anybody. So if you are feeling suicidal, 
if you're having suicidal ideation, if you're feeling passive suicidal, if you are feeling any sort of way, you can go to your local emergency room or, which I have been saying for months, you can call or text 988. They have people who are willing to help you, who will stay on the phone with you to help you in your time of need. I've called them before. I know other people who have called them. They're truly lifesavers. So if you're feeling a certain way, don't hesitate. If you feel that you are a danger to yourself, please go to your local emergency room for help. Or, or as I said, call or text the Crisis Lifeline 988. And remember, be kind.